Good morning. It's lovely to see you this morning, and um, well done for being here. I should think the, uh, the temptation to be out sitting in the sunshine must be very great, so it's wonderful to see you in church this morning, and uh, a number of people will be coming as well, who would have stayed away this morning, coming to the baptism this, this afternoon. Do, I do encourage you, though, to come back if you'd like to. Let's, uh, let's uh, fill the, the, the Baptist church down the road. I'm very grateful to our friends there for, um, for making that possible for us. Um, just to greet you on the live stream as well, um, you're watching this morning, it's good to welcome you. I'm Tom, I'm the vicar at Christchurch. Maybe you're just checking us out on screen before you think about coming along. Well, hopefully you like what you see and may come one day because we would love to see you. Something else to say is that Boys Brigade have got a weekend away this weekend and uh, that's the juniors are away this weekend, which is where Kevin, our families minister, is with them, with Diane um, and a whole crowd of others down at, I think, Carrickey Wood, probably, is where they usually go. And uh, so hopefully, they, well, they've got the, the weather for it. Hopefully, they're having an absolutely brilliant time this weekend. So that's uh, where some of the Boys Brigade lads are. But anyway, children, I'm going to get you up to the front in, in, in a moment. Um, before, first of all, giving you a piece of very important life advice. Well, actually, no, an even better piece of life advice is pray first. So let's pray first, then I'll give you some important life advice. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would give us your wisdom. We pray that you would now speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit and that the word um, opened would shed light. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. So here's my life advice, which is that you need to make sure that you're asking the right person the right question because you can ask the wrong question to the wrong person. So for example... The worst per if you want to ask what's the best way to skip school, don't ask your head teacher. Okay, that would be a bad idea. If you want money for cigarettes, don't ask your doctor. It's not a good idea. Don't, a don't, don't ask us for money for cigarettes anyway. But the point is that you can ask the wrong person the wrong question. And that's what happens to this man in the story. A man comes up to Jesus that we saw we were thinking about, the rich fool, it's, called, it's known as, the parable of the rich fool. Um, do, it's in Luke chapter 12. I can't remember the page number, but in Luke chapter 12 in the Bibles. Uh, and uh, a man comes to Jesus and he asks just exactly the wrong person. He asks the wrong question. He comes to Jesus and he shouts out from the crowd. He says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus' response is basically, well, I don't know why you're asking me about that. I'm not interested in your bank balance. I'm interested in your heart and your soul and what's going on in your inner life. Are you rich towards God? That's what I'm interested in. And actually, you may find, dear man, which is Jesus to this man, that your desire for this inheritance is actually the very thing that will cost you your life, your soul. And he tells this story. It's a parable. It's a parable. It's a story of, um, of the, uh, the, the, what Jesus tells. He tells lots of them. He tells a story about something ordinary to make a point about something extraordinary. And so we're going to enjoy this ordinary story, but we're also going to, enjoy, uh, uh, to learn some extraordinary things from it. So... Children, if you'd like to come to the front, if you'd like to take part, there is activity for you this morning to take part in, so I do encourage you to come up, please, 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 because I need you. Um, uh, we are going to be thinking about this parable of the rich 
fool. Now, before I do anything else, and this maybe will get you up, let me just empty all this lot on the floor. Um, I do need you to come up quite seriously because um, otherwise, otherwise it's going to be a bit of an effort. All right. So, oh, there we go. Right. So, Jesus tells this story about a wealthy man. And this wealthy man is, uh, now I don't want them thrown anywhere, because they, this is not, these are not just colorful balls. These are the crop of the field. You see, this man was wealthy, and his, his land was excellent, and it produced lots and lots of, of, of crops and harvest. So he basically thought to himself, well, what am I going to do? I've got an awful lot of, um, of, of, uh, of crops here to sort out. So let me have, I tell you what, I'm going to stand, I'm going to stand here, because I am the wealthy man. By the way, he's very wealthy. Shall I just put my wealthy man's things on? Here we go. No, not really wealthy man's things. Um, here we go. Shall I put my bow tie on as well? Right, so if you could please bring my crop in. Um, I'd appreciate that. Wait a moment. Can I, can I just say that I always think that a, a marker of a real man is that he can do his own bow tie up, like a proper bow tie. I can't. Um, <laughs> Uh, Sophie's, Sophie, who is, a, who, is a, who is an excellent costume maker and student, has just offered to help me, but thankfully I just found a clip in time. <laughs> so there we are. Thank you very much. Get rid of the dog collar and on with the clip. Right, if you could please collect in my harvest. You see, he's got a barn, and he really doesn't need very much because he's already quite wealthy. So if you could please bring the harvest in from the fields. Thank you, harvesters. And just uh, fill, my, fill, my, um, uh, fill my thing. Here we go. Williams is up first. Are you going to fill my barn? Ah, hang on, are you going to get any more in? Oh, I've got a problem. I've got a problem. My barn's too small for all my crops. Oh, no, I'll tell you what, let me upscale first. I'm going to upscale to this one. Okay, here we go. This is better. I need to build a bigger barn. See, he built bigger barns. His crops were so big, he built bigger barns. Let me, can you fill that with it, John? Here we go. Any more? Oh, hang on a minute. I don't... Oh, Timothy, that was a good effort, but I think... I think it's too much. So he built bigger barns. Do you know what the name of this rich man was? It was Sir Cecil. Sir Cecil Barnes with his successful barns. Get it? Right, here we go. Hang on a minute. Look, so they're filling up my even bigger barn. There we are. Thank you very much. They're filling up his even bigger barn. Oh, hang on a minute. No, you, I think you need to leave those in there because I don't know if it's all going to go in. So, they, so you... Oh, there we go. There's more here. Come on, come on, come on. Get to work, get to work, get to work, harvesters. I'm a, I've, got, I've got big plans. I'm going to tell you about my big plans in a minute because I'm beginning to think that I have a lot of money. I am very, very well off. Here we go. Look at this. There we are. Fill up the barns. I think you might need to put a couple in that one as well down there because I'm not sure you're going to get them all in here. Have you got my harvest in? There we are. That's all of them. Thanks, Timothy. Good. Right. Ah! How wonderful. So, I, Mr. Cecil, with his successful barns, has been very successful. I don't want to slip off this. I'm going to stand on there down here. Right. And, oh, hang on, there's one more there. Is it? Oh, I want every last bit. Get every last bit in my barns. There we go. Right. So, Cecil thought to himself, this is wonderful. I'm going to sit down. In fact, look. Look at this. Look at these different sorts of barns. Can we just have a look and see? Look on the on the on the screen there. We might see some some pictures of barns if we look 
because, look, he had all these barns to choose from. He must have thought, oh, I could have a Dutch barn, a bank barn, a gambrel roof barn, a monitor barn, a corn crib barn, an English gable roof barn, a prairie barn, a circular barn, a tobacco barn. Oh, so in the end, he decided to upscale all the way. He thought, this is no good. I can't be doing with these traditional barn designs. I'm going for a full-on industrial complex of silos. And he came up with that. He was like, oh, man, I am absolutely the business. And then he sat down. He thought, just sit down, children, there. You can just sit down where you are. He sits down, and he thinks to himself, this is marvelous. He thinks, I'm going to retire. He says, my pension pot is bottomless. And he took up his various... Well, you see, life's very difficult when you're like that because um, he had to make decisions. Look, here's decisions I've got here. This is, um, this is, uh, this is from a website called Opulent Fools. Um, <laughs> do you know what opulent means? Opulent's a good word. It's, not, it's quite a rare word. It means very, very um, posh, basically. Really very um, extremely... Uh, luxurious and very, very nice. Opulent fools. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> that is just the website for me. Oh, look at all these projects. Look, there's some examples of projects, in fact, all around this area. Look, come and have a look at this. Look at those beautiful pools that I could have on my property. Look, that one's from, there's one in Barnes, Rich, Richmond in Barnes. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Barnes, get it? It's got an E, though. Um, Orpington in Orpington, Bromley. Well, there's one close here. Seal, Seven Oaks, Kent. Oh, there's all sorts of these lovely ones around here. Um, Huckfield, Sussex. Look at all these examples of beautiful pools. Which one would you go for? Okay. You, the one in Orpington. I like quite the one, the one that they built in Potter's Bar. It's quite nice, isn't it? <laughs> what, about, what about that? You want that one. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The nice thing, it's a nice long one, isn't it? It sort of has the Olympic feel rather than the kind of the health spa feel. I know. I mean, the, very, the decisions one has to make, terribly difficult. And um, so, uh, Williams, I honestly don't know. I'm lost to know which swimming pool I'm going to have. But the point is that uh, this is the... I'm dead. I don't know why you're all laughing at, you miserable bunch of people. I just died. Sir Cecil is dead. <laughs> Sir Cecil has died. All statements about Sir Cecil must now be made in the past tense. He is an ex-farmer. Sir Cecil is dead. Because, well, hang on, where's my Bible gone? Because in the story, wait a moment, what does it say? It says that, it says, so this is what... Um, the man thought. He thought, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones and there I'll store up my grain and my goods and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But that night God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Yes, ah, you see. So Lord, God said that, that very night, he says, that's it, gone. Reach retirement and suddenly gone. Tragic, sad story. And Jesus says to this man, remember how it all started? It all st started with the man in the crowd shouting out to Jesus, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And Jesus says, let's talk about money. Let's talk about what's going on in your heart about money. 
my dear friend. By the way, um, actually, interestingly, who knows whether this man had a point about the inheritance. It gets very complicated. I've taken enough funerals to know that these issues get extraordinarily complicated, bitter and difficult. They really do. And sometimes the issues are really uh, real and serious. It's not Jesus is not knocking that. He's just making a deeper point. He's saying, what's going on in your heart? And by the way, it's very easy to say, isn't it? Oh, I know all this about material possessions. I know all this. I'm not materialistic. Hmm. Well, don't be too quick to say that. I've talked to myself as well. Because we think we know that. Do we? Let's come back and have a think. So, um, if you children would like to come back up to the front, I'd be grateful because I need your help again in just a moment. Because we are now going to think about um, three ways in which this man, Sir Cecil, got his thinking in a muddle. Three things that he thought were true, which actually aren't true. So yes, that's right, you can sit, you're very welcome to sit on Sir Cecil's sofa, seeing as Sir Cecil is now no more. Okay, there we go, let me remove the swimming pool brochure. Right, so three things that he thought were true that actually weren't. One, he thought my life belonged to me. That was the first thing he thought. My life belongs to me. And so that's why he, he, he thought, first, well, actually, let, let's, let's rewind a bit. So my life belongs to me. We'll come back to that third. What about my, my money belongs to me? My wealth belongs to me. That's the first thing. We'll come to my life in a little while. My wealth belongs to me. Right, he thought that my wealth belongs to me. Now, of course, I mean, in one sense, that's true. Um, the Bible believes in private property. The, otherwise, there wouldn't be a commandment saying, thou shalt not steal. The eighth commandment protects private property. That's, that, that's, that's very important, actually. It's wrong to take someone's property um, illegitimately. But the thing is that he actually already had quite a lot. He, we're told at the beginning that he was a wealthy man. So actually, what he had in his normal barns was enough. He didn't need any more than that. But he thought to himself, my wealth is mine. And he made the mistake that actually most of us tend to make, which is that we, we assume if I get more money, my lifestyle will increase to match it. Why do we think that? Let me tell you about a man called John Lang. John Lang was one of the wealthiest businessmen in um, Britain in the, uh, in the last century. He was a builder. He built the M1 motorway and loads of other things. John Lang. And um, John Lang, he, he was, um, he was a, a committed believer in Jesus Christ. And he decided, actually, my wealth is not my own. No, God has given me the ability to make this extraordinary wealth. And it is actually, I'm going to, uh, it's going to pass through me, this wealth. And so, John Lang Millions of pounds passed through John Lang's hands and continues to today through uh, trusts and things that he set up. And, do you know, when John Lang died, do you know how much money was in his bank account? 371 quid. That was it. Millions had passed through his account. So my, my question is, children, is that he, had, he, got, he, he, had, he already managed to fill his barns, which was obviously quite enough. He was already a wealthy man. Why didn't he? What could he have done when he started filling up these? What could he have done with it? He could have, he could have given it away, couldn't he? 
You could do that. Go on. Why don't you give these things away? You take these balls out and give them away. You can, um, I was thinking of chucking them all out into the church, but I don't think we'll do that. That's the sort of thing that I think of in the moment and then goes badly wrong afterwards and I regret. So, um, why, go on, you take, you take those out and share them, share them around. Give everybody a ball and I'll collect them in at the end. So, the thing is, he could easily have shared those things, but he basically decided that he wasn't going to do it. He thought, my wealth is mine, but it wasn't. Okay, so there we go. You give those balls out. Just, 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 just do it for 30 seconds and then you can come back again. Because we get the point. He could have shared out his wealth. Because actually, it wasn't his. Not really. It, wasn't, it was his compared to his neighbor, but it wasn't his compared to God. God could say to him, you give it away. Bless other people with it. So, that's the first thing he thought. He thought, my wealth is my own. Here's another thing he thought. Okay, you can, come, you, you can, you can stop giving the balls out now. You, two, you can bring them to the front. But you've done very well. Thank you. Bring them to the front. So, the next thing he thought is, he thought, my days are in my hands. My days are in my hands. Because that's what, isn't he? He thought to himself, there we go, Adam, will, Adam, will, Adam, can, Adam can foresee all the things that could go wrong. He thought, my days are in my hands. I, I, because he thought to himself, my, because my pension's bottomless, my days are limitless. But that was just not true. Because actually our times and our lives are not in our hands. None of, the, none of us have our, the times in our hands. We, we, don't know, we don't know the future at all. Yet this, so Cecil, he, as he sat there on his, on his thing there, he thought, well, in fact, let me just read what he said because it's quite interesting. Let me just get it exactly right, what he said. He said, he said, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Really? Well, maybe, but maybe not. Our days are not in our hands. They're in the hands of the Lord. They're in the hands of God. So that was, so he thought, he thought my, my wealth is my own. He thought, my days are my own. Otherwise, I, I, I can just go on living as I want. And then, that's because ultimately, he thought, here's the third thing, he thought, my life is my own. My life is my own. My life belongs to me. But it doesn't. Life belongs to God. Listen, 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 this is what God says to him. He says, God said, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Yeah, it's his life. In a way, it's his life. But ultimately, it's not his life. God gave him that life and can take that life back. Can you have the next slide, please? You never own a Patek Philippe. By the way, does anyone own a Patek Philippe? I, I, I probably won't admit it in the light of this sermon. I don't know. I shouldn't have asked that. <laughs> because they, you need more money than a vicar gets paid to own a Patek Philippe watch. But do you know the re how the rest of the advert goes? You never own a Philip Pate. You merely look after it for the next generation. But that's what our lives are like. We never actually own our lives. We are not our own. There's a lovely story of the um, of the a, a little girl um, who was was uh, the daughter of um, General Booth. 
um, General Booth, who founded the Salvation Army. And his daughter, um, she was known later as Le Maréchal because she was, uh, like, she was like a, a military figure. She was so powerful in her proclamation of Jesus Christ and as a preacher. And um, when she was a little girl, her mother and father would say to her, and he has put you here for a great purpose. Fulfill it. He calls you. He loves you. Fulfill it. Our lives are not our own. They belong to him. Katie, my wife, was uh, one of the things in her story, one of the things of coming to faith in Jesus. She was about to go traveling. She was 22 from New Zealand, and she was going to go traveling. And um, she could uh, just become a Christian. Oh, no, sorry, it's just before she became a Christian. And her friend said to her, she said, said, Katie, what does God think of your plans? And Katie says, she said, I've never, I've never even occurred to me to ask the question. Because I suppose she had thought, well, my life is my own. But it's not. It belongs to him. And so we need to live aware that it's just for him. Because ultimately, he's the one who owns our lives. And so this man and his assumptions, he assumed all the wrong things, didn't he? He thought, all my wealth belongs to me. You've got the sneezes. I've got them as well at the moment. He thought to himself, my wealth belongs to me. But it doesn't. And you know the way to freedom, and I'm speaking to myself, the way to freedom is to realize that. And to think, actually, no, it doesn't belong to me. It's lent to me. It's rather like a library book. It's not like my own book. My life is like a library book. It's lent. And so my wealth is lent. It's borrowed to me. I, 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 I look after it for a time for God as glorifies him. My life, my days and arm are his. And there's great freedom that comes from knowing it. My days are his. And my life, ultimately, my life is his. Tremendous freedom to know that. My life is his and he is the one I'm answerable to. That might sound, you might sound, oh, that sounds a little bit, that sounds a little bit harsh. No, actually it isn't. It's liberating. It's freeing. To suddenly think, I have a purpose in this world. God has given me my life. And by his grace, I'm going to find out what his purpose is, and I'm going to use it. I'm going to be, here's where we're going to finish. I'm going to be, this is what Jesus says to the man. He says, this is how it will be for anyone who's stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. How can we be rich towards God? Well, actually, we know the answer. To be rich before God as we come to Jesus is that we trust him. We take him at his word and we remember, my wealth is not my own. My days are not my own. My life is not my own. They belong to him. And when we live like that, well, we find great riches, real riches, not money in the bank, but real riches, riches in our hearts, riches with God, riches that last not just for this life, but into the life to come. A quick prayer. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to learn the important lessons of this well-known story. We pray that you would give us wisdom to recognize and know these things. 
and that as we do so, you would set us free from the fear of uh, and worry that comes with living for ourselves. And we ask that you will do this for the honor and glory of Jesus who died and rose to set us free for this very purpose. All of it we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.